This episode of Pixel Sift is proudly sponsored by Murdoch University School of Arts with courses in games, sound, radio, screen, communications, journalism, or you know, you could be like one of us, the all Murdoch crew that we've got here today. Um, there's an extensive range of top quality fields that can propel you into your future career. It's never too late to get involved and to improve your skill set. So search Murdoch University for more information and to start down the road to knowledge. Murdoch University School of Arts proudly sponsoring Pixel Sift. Hello and welcome to Pixel Sift. My name is Gianni and each week we do a podcast, a games show, yeah. a variety show of different things. Um, and this week... We talk I, about variety. We only ever talk about games. We only that's all we talk about. <laughs> we occasionally talk about We some. wanted to talk about cars once and you said no. No. <laughs> Unless they're car games, that's it. Yeah. Um, Mitch uh, is my co-host in crime. Uh, yep. has been here since the beginning. Mitch, thanks for joining us as always. Yeah, you're welcome. And we're also joined by other... Ex-Murdoch students, Murdoch alumni, yeah, yeah. Um, Matthew Sear and Jack Jem. They're nice from to meet Artisans Games and they're going to be telling us all about uh, their game, Collateral Damage. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having coming here, guys. No, We're, yeah, thank you. It's been it's it's lovely to actually be here. It's an interesting little setup we got today. Yeah. yeah. This is completely up. different from what it normally looks like. So oh, you, cool. you've caught, <laughs> you caught us on an... I guess this is an off day for us. We're, you know, we're mixing things up. Yeah. You've got to be agile and changing. Um, what else are we checking out today, Mitch? Yeah, so we're also having a look at how some game, some game developers, like um, some indie game developers, can be charging a little too, too low prices for their games and how that can be doing them a disservice. All that and more coming up today on this episode of Pixel Sift. Shall we jump in? Yeah, yeah. why not? Sounds good. Pixel Sift! It's not Pixel Sift, it's Pixel Sift. Yeah, so we can all agree that cheaper games can well are better for all of us and for everyone. But while reading an, uh, an article by Sergey Golonkin, we started to think that lower prices on some indie titles might be doing the creators a disservice. Now, Sergey Golonkin, uh, if you do not know that name, if that name doesn't roll off the top of your tongue and off the top of your head... You know, I only uh, know his name. I don't know how to pronounce that because I've been doing the... Yeah. I think it's Golonkin. But I'm going to be honest, I have no Anyone, idea how to Any Russian that. speakers out there, let us know how you say that one. Um, is actually the developer and creator of the tool Steam Spy, um, which basically scrapes the Steam database, grabs a bunch of information about uh, ownership, about sort of pricing, um, and gives an idea of how many people are actually playing the games. All of this is kind of built into the, the API or like the tools that Valve build um, so that people can sort of build apps and all these sort of things. So I actually never really understood how it works. So his, he, I guess he just sends a bot through and just... Basically, there's a, a whole bunch of feeds that Valve have, mm -hmm. uh, a bit like an RSS feed like you would get with a podcast. And he just takes that feed and then turns it into something that's a, it's a website, basically. So it's feeding information from there. But right. like, you know, when you'd go to the, uh, you know, the weather and you'd find out what the weather feed is and okay. you find out what the weather is now. Because Steam Spy, that's pretty much where we go for information and we don't even go to Steam, like as journalists anyway. Like, yeah, we, just, we don't even go to Steam itself because Steam offers actually quite not, not very much in terms of numbers. It's an interesting, yeah, it's a really interesting platform. And from this, uh, obviously, Sergey has worked out that um, it's in his opinion that indie games on the whole are not charging enough for 
what it costs to make a game. And they're actually, some people are selling themselves short. Now, the one uh, example that he kind of pulled out as something that was a bit different to that, something that wasn't, um, uh, you know, was the, an example for people to follow was The Witness, which was done by Jonathan Blow, um, who previously did games like Braid, and it has, it's like a, you know, it's a cool, puzzly, islandy sort of game. But he sold that at $40 US when it came out. So that was the kind of pricing that he's like, hey, it's, a, it's an interesting game. You should be selling your games at that price. Mm. Now, I've got a couple of uh, game developers <laughs> sitting right here in the process of designing a game. Yeah. What do you guys think, one, as gamers of, mm. of pricing, and two, what do you think about as game developers who are about to sell their game to the world? For me, there's like actually quite a lot of like factors into the whole pricing element. So, for an example, the example you just gave, um, The Witness came after like a pre... like a prequel game that was already quite hyped um so i actually think the idea of selling for like 30 to 40 dollars is actually good and i like that idea that they're doing that the only issue that i have with it is that there's going to be a lot of people that will be like but there are these cheaper games on the market why would i not just buy the cheaper games on the market so the problem comes with the whole economical stance of the other games that are undercutting themselves they're also undercutting others um it's a bit of a dilemma there do you, do you think it's because jonathan blow had this reputation that everyone knew that he was going to make something that was kind of interesting and and cool that he could even do that like would you guys feel comfortable to even think about charging 40 dollars for your game well we're actually contemplating like 30 dollars for our game um but that's aud rather than usd so that's so forty dollars is like fifty dollars to us. Mm. Um, I. How do you come mm. to that number? What what, what are uh, you? What, well, thirty dollars seems like a reasonable amount. Most people have got that. That's like yeah. going and buying two burritos. You've uh, you, like it's all with him. He has a like also reputation. So I believe that when you're taking, when you are going to the market, you're going to put um, a price tag on your product. You know, you need to still actually build up a reputation. So it's easy, like for like even AAA studios, to put higher price tags on their actual products that they put out because they have proven that their products are good and people can enjoy them, and they and you know what you're getting. Where um, like an unnamed studio that has a couple of titles out or a person that has like a limited reputation, you don't know, and you're also taking a risk by investing your money in into that product. Triple mm. so, A yeah. developers or publishers, should I say, they also have a big marketing budget to uphold as well. Mm. Like they need to really, I guess, justify that those millions of dollars just spent making that live action TV trailer and things like that. So I yeah. guess that's also the reason why they can they have they have to deliver on, yeah. I guess, profits. So they have to be this price. Of course, a lot of money goes into making them. Saying that, I do believe in like actually paying money for like what you like want. I do find that, um, for example, you can see that with let's say like app stores, um, where most most games have went like free to play. A lot of people are now like accepting like I will buy. I won't buy apps. I will just play free to play games. And I find things like that have hindered the like like the app store with people wanting to like pursue it that's why like even us have like see, like as a as a company 
are not as interested in developing for like mobile devices is just because it's it is a it's it's too much of a risky venture um you know for putting years of uh years of work into a particular like product and not um not be sure that it will like have any return. Well, what's the major risk that you guys are thinking? Like, where is something that you're like, okay, we need to make sure that we manage these risks when well, you're when you're releasing into any one market. Of, mm. Like for pricing, particularly, like one of the major risks is. So, for example, if we undercut ourselves, like so, for example, you see a lot of games on Steam that are like two five dollars. A lot of the time, you'll often assume that they're just poor quality because they're being sold for so cheap, which isn't always necessarily the case. But if you go too high, then you have the same issue of people being like, well, why would I play that over a cheaper game? And then you have the other risk that's been introduced over the past few years with the whole like, concept of free-to-play games. Like, why would somebody play that game over a free-to-play game? And that's, yeah. that's where the, a lot of the challenge comes is you need to actually be able to generate the interest uh, in, like, to get the community, to get a community involved, to get a community wanting to play the game, because just you know throwing a game out there and like hoping, like it, it it's worked for like uh, obviously like Undertale was like a big success story and that kind of concept where it came out of nowhere, but a lot of the times there's games that come out of nowhere that just fade into obscurity. Mm. It's interesting that you mentioned free to play because I find that in in terms of MMOs, as soon as one goes free to play, that seems to be like it's at death's door at that point. Mm. Like, I, like Star Wars, I think the Old Republic mm. went like went free to play, and I was like, "Oh, great! That'll make more people play it." And that didn't work. It just it seems like if you need to do something like that to get people to play, I guess the price is not the problem. It's the game. I guess there's a difference though between games that start off free to play and free uh, games that convert to free to play. Right. So, for example, obviously League of Legends started off free to play, and that's a monolithic kind of game where it's something like a game that I actually thought was really good was oh, by 2K games Battle, uh, Battle was it Battleborn mm. Battleborn yeah mm. um, which was a really good game uh, it had the consequence of coming out at the exact same time as uh, Overwatch Overwatch mm. and <laughs> unfortunately it just their marketing was terrible I think it Died. They, now that's gone free to play difficult. because it was yeah. already dead. It was, it was also funny because when they did decide to switch to free to play, they didn't want to declare it as free to play. Mm. They were like, it's, um, was it like a, a trial or free something? Free to start or something. It was like, like yeah. a free trial. It was like a trial free or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and because, as well, when they did do the switch, they did hardly any marketing prior to that. It was mm. just. This is how little marketing they did. I didn't know it was free to play. <laughs> Until you told me just then. Oh, oh yeah, wow. there we go. Yeah. I didn't know. Battle, yeah. Battle I just learned that. Battleborn yeah. and like Overwatch are like big AAA sort of stuff, though, right? right? So uh, they're big studios. Yeah. Like Battleborn's probably smaller than it's Blizzard. It's more like a double A. Yeah, yeah. Bl Blizzard is obviously massive yeah. um, and has a huge budget and is able to do these massive things with what they've got. Um, but I guess the thing that. Uh, Sergey was trying to say is that that at that indie level where you maybe are in a, a small three or four person yeah. team, or maybe you're an individual like Jonathan Blow working. He, he's saying that there there should be a higher value of the work that you put in. Mm. Um, how much do you guys pay for indie games? Do you? I, I know I personally spend a, a lot of time buying 
bundles. Like mm-hmm. I'll buy money for the Humble Bundle. Um, uh, part of that is because I like this. I like to buy games because I like the <laughs> idea of them. I probably will actually never play that game, even though I will. Uh, buy see, it. that's another story so, altogether. Yeah. But like, if there's a good game that I hear is good, so that's that's the part that's disheartening is the idea that somebody could just buy a game but not play it. But I, my <laughs> thing is that buy the game to support the people because yeah. if I like the idea, and quite often I, if there's games that I know that I won't have time to play, I will say if I've spent time watching that person, someone play it on Twitch, I'll go, well, look, I'm going to buy it because the people who made the game deserve some money back for the thing that they've done. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of games like that where I've spent, like um, No Man's Sky, for example. Like I have that on PlayStation 4. I maybe played it for about three hours or something. I'm really... sorry, man. And then I realized it was <laughs> I'm just... too, hey. too big of a game for me, right? I'm like, I know this is going to be something that's really engrossing. They so just implemented online. I know. It's yeah. just it's such yeah, a big thing. Like, it's a little like, late. I think you might find yourself pretty alone there, Johnny. Like yeah. buying games just for the sake of buying them and supporting the developer. Because like think, Transistor, for example, is another example of yeah. a game. Like I play that a bit at my brother's house mm. and I want to be able to have the ability to go back and play it at some point in the future if I've never liked to, yeah. but I know that realistically I'm playing Zelda and that's gonna yeah. be See, the main thing. You know thing what I like time. to do with games is um, when you when you see a game and you like the game and it looks good and they've done, um, they've invested into it, um, I like it when I can, uh, when I'm happy enough to pay a decent price. Mm. I, uh, I don't like, I don't look for those undercut specials mm. usually or try to undercut it because I think this game's decent mm. and it deserves to actually get, get a get like what they're asking for it. Um, so. I don't go buying like tons of games, but the the games that stand out and that look really cool and I enjoy and I'll, my, my my Twitch streamers and um, like all the YouTubers that you know I like um, you know in, enjoy playing it. You know I I will uh, say yeah I'll pay I'll pay full I'll pay the full dollar for that. Um, I think yeah the issue is is when you're trying to always reduce the prices yeah. and people are always trying to undercut for special and it's sort of like it's fair but it's it is hum- it's human nature people it's are trying hum- to get it's the human best nature it's like, you go to the shop and you you look for the best special and you don't generally buy it if it's not a special yeah but yeah. it's i guess it's hard when you are competing with some of these really great specials from mm. people who are yeah. who might have a triple a AAA budget to market this game have already sold enough and now they're going okay well if we can get our secondary mm. or third sales on on a, on a bundle and go from there so it's really interesting i think one of the examples um uh, that comes to mind is Minecraft when it originally came out in its alpha version mm. kind of was you know when it was notched just working on it by himself sold at about sort of 10 to 12 ish dollars yeah I, I remember then, I'm paying well, the 11 dollars for were, like completely yeah. free yeah because I got Minecraft for free yeah so, so, so you, you, start, you got the full license for free yeah and that's still that license I've still is got it updated valid, yep yeah, wow, interesting. So if you got in early, there was this sort of tiered system, um, and one of the recommendations that Sergey said was like maybe what indie should do. And I'm wondering if this is something mm. you guys would ever be interested in doing. Instead of doing an early discount, like a 10% off or whatever, for people to buy into your game early, uh, give uh, people like almost like a pre-order DLC style thing. So like you know when you go to a, a big box retailer and they say you get this extra sword. Or well, are you asking for enough, a marketing uh, job? Actually, <laughs> on that subject. Um, we're kind of handling it a little bit differently. Uh, we're actually planning, well, we're hoping that if we do actually get like enough people supporting it, that we'll be releasing like the, f- the first whole lot of like DLC characters and maps and stuff, like entirely free if we mm. get enough interest. Yeah. Because um, our biggest goal with collateral damage as a game is less about 
making like don't get me wrong i really want to make money because being <laughs> poor and eating seven dollar day budget food sucks <laughs> but uh, our main objective with collateral damage is to build a community mm -hmm. like we want to like we want to grow as a business and as a game developing company so that um, people know us and enjoy what we make and that's our number one priority um, with with it. So it's all about generating that community um, and we are willing to like offer as much as we can if we can get um, those numbers. Um, so it's sort of uh, it's sort of as the larger the community we can get, the actual cheaper we can make the product. Mm. Um, and that's what we want to do because once, if we can give the product at a decent price and give all this extra content out, then yeah, well, that's, that's something you know, worth, worthwhile. Like a community is much worthwhile than, um, than actually just having it. And it's the same with um, actually going back to what you were initially talking about with Sergey. Um, he, he says that uh, you know, a person should, indie should put higher prices. I would agree, we should put higher prices, but, um, your that that's for people maybe more established. You know, people indies need to get to that point of being established. We need to prove ourselves to our like customer base that we we are good and that we have like we have can produce good games. And um, unless and and that's where I think if you're doing if you're doing it right, you're reducing your your game's price. But you're reducing its price um, and offering more to the community to grow that, you know. And then, of course, once you've got that, then you can then you can actually have then you've got that you've got that community backing up where you can start like putting a, like a decent price tag on your products mm. um, because what you're making then is you have a good team. You have like more than just a couple of developers. You've got a whole whole slew of developers all working together so you have to pay more people mm. so then of course you have a, a product that requires um uh like that more that higher recognition um i feel like yeah. that would make your early loyal fan base i think that would make them feel pretty good like they got in on the bottom mm. line like oh, and like on the bottom yeah. level and mm. they were like ready to go when you needed the support and then suddenly if you have to increase your prices later to support your bigger team your your very hardcore fans i think they'll they might yeah. appreciate that because I, I feel like when i bought minecraft i, I bought it at ten dollars and I, now it's like i think it's a 20 is it 40 now it's not 40. <laughs> switch it's 40 dollars yeah are you serious? But to be, on that note, though, everything on the Nintendo Switch is like overpriced. Like they released a, the Disco Year Five that was released like two years ago or something for ninety dollars, like full price, and it was just like I I could get that on my PlayStation. What like, is going on, Nintendo? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really interesting conversation. I think yeah. there. I feel like everyone thinks they've got the grand idea about what's the ideal way to do all these things, but yeah. maybe there isn't one size. It is all. never. Well, it, mm. That's the thing. It, it's a, like our world and our economy and everything is changing. You'll never. You'll never know exactly what the right thing is. You just do what you can with the information you've got. The games if, industry, though, especially right now, is evolving because now you've also got like Twitch streaming and stuff like that, which is starting to prove to be like one of the biggest sellings of like 
games and stuff in general. It's like people will see like somebody playing the game and they'll be like, oh, cool, I'll get that. There's plenty so, of people who've seen us playing no, games and I'm sure they've gone out and purchased yes, them straight away. Yes, they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I think this is exactly right. The, the, the market has sort of changed in a different way and there isn't this one-size-fits-all sort of solution to all of these things. Um, if you've just tuned in, we're joined by Matthew Sear and Jack Jem. They're from Artisans Games. Uh, my name's Johnny, and this is uh, Mitch, of course. And we've been uh, talking a little bit about pricing and games and all that sort of stuff. But we, we want to ask you guys all about your game, which is mm. called Collateral Damage. Yeah. Now, can you tell us a little bit about it for people who may have not heard about it or who, who would, you know, give them a, a taste test? All right. Uh, well, Collateral Damage is a hoverbot brawl arena. Basically, you're wrecking bots just smashing face. And you're going wild in like split screen or split screen online or just, yeah, or just single player, or single player. Up to you. So, yeah. The idea is that we're making kind of like, uh, I suppose you could call it primarily a hero brawler. It's kind of like the idea of like a Super Smash Bros in like a 3D kind of environment. Mm -hmm. um, each character is like a robot. Uh, there's a, a resource system. Uh, they've got like an ultimate skill similar to like MOBAs and that. We've, and funnily enough, at one point we actually had cooldowns and stuff like that, similar to MOBAs and stuff like that. Uh, that's all gone. We've moved it towards being like more and more of a brawler kind of aspect. Yeah. One, mm -hmm. we don't want to compete with Overwatch because yeah. we saw how that went with Battleborn. <laughs> yeah, no uh, one wants to on, compete with Overwatch. <laughs> yeah. Let's compete and with Overwatch. <laughs> I'm worried also, that we have yellow on our logo and that competes with Overwatch's logo. <laughs> yeah. Because we, we keep attending events like we've been to Perth Game Festival mm. and the Adelaide... Avcon. Avcon. Um, and we've like progressively been getting feedback, so uh, people didn't enjoy the cooldowns and stuff like that, so we just cut them. Uh, people liked the idea of guarding, like in you know Sm Super Smash Bros. You can every character can guard, so mm. we gave every every character that option. We've got like basically yeah. it's really hyper paced as well. Every character can jet and dodge and attack and yeah, well, that's that's and and that's the entire movement. It's it's it is just fast-paced like brawling crazy fun like uh you can take it where you can be more serious and you can try to be like super competitive with your friends but a lot of the time it is really uh really casual and really fun um and one also great thing that um when i was down at avcon um we we have um a really nice ultimate system and um it's really fun to watch um even players that fall behind because players that fall behind can do more skill plays to uh, get their ultimates off, and uh, it helps really like balance everybody out. So you're, it's basically cutthroat competition all the way up. That's so is great. that like a barrier for people who are, are better at the game, or is it sort of like a Mario Kart uh, blue yeah, shell? It's sort yeah, of it's kind of like a catch-up mechanic where if yeah. you kill the people that are a higher point system than you. Like that are higher up the ladder than you, you'll get Or more. just get lucky by killing them. Oh, or get lucky. <laughs> That'll yeah. be me. Yeah. Kill steal your mates. Yeah, yeah. you could kill steal. Like, people it's not a guarantee it. that you will overcome them, like, you know, where you blue shell somebody at the red line and then you'll just easily take across it. It's more a case of you can build up to your ultimate quicker, which will help you catch up. Because mm. unlike, so we're not focusing on the idea of the game being hyper-competitive. So it is competitive in the sense of you and your mates being like, nah! Yeah. But we want it so that at every stage there's not like, so there's one beast player that's just like a, a thousand yeah. points in front yeah, of and, the and other you're, And you're basically, everyone's just fighting for second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that you, people didn't like the cooldown effect. So mm. how many how many of those, how many of that kind of feedback, or how much of that kind of feedback 
do you need before you start making real changes in your game? Uh, um, well, I well, we generally go through and we do like a lot of it, like in-house testing as well. Um, but when we start to notice the feedback, also is. Um, cutting away at like the core pillars of the game. So we have like a couple of core pillars of what makes collateral damage collateral damage. And like, you know, you've got um, fast, fun, chaotic, like, um, you know, like- All your buzzwords. All these, yeah. all these really buzzwords. The, yeah. And um, if we notice that people are like, oh, these cooldowns, for example, are like, I I just feel like I'm having to stop and I, I have to stop over here and I have to wait and I have to not do this. Then we start to like look at it and analyze that. Um, and we start to also analyze like footage because we do, we've done a, f a bit of like um, video recording of like gameplay and we watch when players are like, like stopping for a breath and we're wondering is there are they stopping for the breath because they've run out of x y and z or what's what are that what's occurring in these circumstances and then that and then we compare that to what people have said and the reports that people have said and yeah and then we decide well these are conflicting and then cut it Basically. and then uh, but like we, then we do some more testing afterwards and if it seem, if it if it goes well afterwards, then you know it's good. But if it doesn't, then we can just turn it back on. And that's the that's the great thing about it. You can just turn it on and off. So how long, <laughs> how long have you guys been working on this game, and how did it kind of come about? Nearly, uh, it's nearly two years now. It's, it's, like, it's getting it's close getting to close two, to two yeah. years. <laughs> um, funnily enough, this is like the second project we started working on. Um, the first project was way out of the scope of what we should have been doing for a first project. Mm. Um, and then we're like, okay, so the major thing that we want to do is we want to build a community and we need to make an, what we thought at the time was going to be easier. Uh, <laughs> turns out online functionality is in no way easier no. um, than just making AI. But we thought, you know, people, you don't have to worry about coding the, the things. The it's AI, just yeah. people have to, like... But then you've got people make weird choices. <laughs> they actively try to break your work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, uh, this guy actively that's breaks... That's him, by the way. Uh, this guy yeah. actively oh, breaks even, my coding all the time. I don't even need to try to break things. Mm -hmm. I can just sit in a room, it'll break, and I'll be like, yeah. this needs fixing. He's the worst. Every time we go to an event, he's like, oh, Mitch, you see how I broke that game just then. I was like, stop <laughs> doing that. Like they're here. Yeah. It has to be broken so that it can be fixed. Yeah, but they're gonna exactly. see, yeah. the developers are gonna see you walk up and like, oh, potential contact, and oh no, it's John, he broke our game. Get rid of it. Yeah. See, I've actually, broken many games, including yeah. Stir Fire, Symphony of the Machine, which I broke pretty significantly, and then they fixed it. So. Now you're name dropping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The okay. great thing is, is that like, I'll break your game. Break, Don't worry. Breaking games is good. Yeah. Breaking games is good. <laughs> we basically, we, we look for when people break the game. You don't know how many times this game Collateral damage has been broken by somebody. Like people have done so many janky things, and uh, we're like, "All right, we gotta fix that." I think one of uh, my favorite things before we like fixed it. Uh, so there's this character who can like knock characters away, um, called Oblix. He's like this big tanky dude. He's all about like disruption and stuff. And when we had that, we had it where there was two Oblixes and they slapped each other to try and knock each other away. And they both just went like, it had like a mul multiplicative Multiply, effect. Yeah. And like both characters just went flying and it was hilarious. Yeah. And did you keep did that you, in the game or did you take no, it out? Uh, no. We actually took it out because it, <laughs> it, 
Because we, we have a nice hover system where people, like, characters float and stuff like that. Mm. It has the drawback, though, if people go, like, flying massively into the air, that it takes it take, quite a it long takes time, long time to for them to fall down. Right. So, um, <laughs> so as funny as it was, it was not logical gameplay-wise. But you can still, like, uh, because, of the, because of the hover system, you can still go crazy, and then there is occasions where you can go flying off um, it's actually one of the fun things is like actually trying to throw people off the map or toss somebody far away. We just don't want it to that astronomical percentage. Like, like sort of like, here's the map and then you're going somewhere over here. I guess if you're waiting <laughs> to fall but not eliminated, that's kind of... Maybe you need, mm. as you talked about uh, having Smash Bros in there, maybe you need that sort of kill shader that kind of what sits we, outside. What so we were talking about was having like an evil portal robot in the sky that, yeah. to just swallow <laughs> you if yeah. you're like too high or something or chase after you and get you. Yeah, a bit like Lakitu on the cloud, picking you up in Mario Kart, like that sort yeah, of thing just maybe. pops yeah. out of that the character has a Probably name. more along the yeah. lines oh, of uh, okay. like in Jack 2... Um, you know, referencing my own name, but yeah. um, <laughs> where if you jumped in the water, there was a big snake thing that just like gobbled oh, yeah. you up, sort yeah. of thing, and then you'd respawn. So more along the lines of that, like where you would just get destroyed. Um, so you guys have been working on this game for almost two years. Almost yeah. two years. Yeah. Almost and two years. you came together at as Murdoch students and yeah. uh, have come on from there. How far along is the game now, and when can people get a chance to kind of play it? Where's the next time that someone could get hands on? Oh wow! Well, like we've already done tons of um, hands-on play already. Um, but yeah, uh, we will be at PAX uh, this year. So nice. like, if you if you're in PAX Melbourne, um, then yeah, come on down. Like. We're, we'll be in the indie uh, booth section, and uh, our we'll booth be, like, will of course be it. the best booth. Our booth will have all the chaos. Do you have some like crazy it? action figures, or like? Oh, like oh, I yeah. wish we had crazy action figures. <laughs> yeah, well, like being in Perth, it's a bit hard. Moon, lads. But we're, yeah. we're going. Um, I got. Uh, I've got some ideas. We're going to be crafting, crafting up some gigantic um, energy crystals nice. uh, that I would like to put around the booth as well. That'd be really mm. nice. Because that's one thing. If you look at your characters, they look. They, they would look really cool as action figures. Yes, oh, yeah, yes. I just don't know if either of us has the talent to make them into little action figures. No, you'd have I'd, to. I'd love to have like proper cool action figures of some of the characters. Just export the models, 3D print them. Yeah, that's what you. We we can. Th um, well, you're a genius. <laughs> it's it's um sadly it's not as simple because 3D printing is a little bit more tough um to mm. do, and mm. these particular assets, a lot of them are like made in such a way that you'll have to do a lot of. So wait, you're telling me you don't just go. Control P, and then it comes out. No, on the no, what, oh, no, what that, is this? Uh, I mean, it's all the lie. Real uh, <laughs> reality. So, I have no idea how it could works. <laughs> your your game is called Collateral Damage. Um, we're uh, Matthew and Jack yep. um, from Artisans Games, based in Perth. Uh, By the, I was going to mention uh, just before, if you was going to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, to let everyone know, we actually have a new character, mm. um, and this is called Ballista, and Ballista is going to be. Uh, posted, uh, should be posted up on our website right now, um, on our Facebook page right now, um, and uh, it's go it's basically going to be the newest, craziest character for everyone to check out. Um, and so when we, people come down to PAX, yeah, and when people come down to PAX, you'll be able to actually try out this new character. We actually got, uh, and we're going to be uh, hosting a play session um, uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, for the net for next month, the end uh -huh. of next month. So excellent. Well, in this game development this fashion, of course, the new character will have to be overpowered. Yes, yeah. and yeah. you guys are going to break the character. Feel there free. 
to uh, put in Feel front of us. We'll break, break whatever we need to break. Oh boy, um, we'll <laughs> there's going to be a lot. <laughs> we'll stick up links to uh, that on our website, uh, which is www.pixelsift.com.au. You've got a, a video of the new character. Have you got it already? Or some yep. images? Yeah, uh, yeah. You'll. Yeah, there's a, there would be a photo of an image on, on um, our Facebook page right now. So we'll stick that in, embed it in the post. Um, if you want to find out some more stuff about uh, the show, it's all up on there. Mitch, we've got previous episodes where we've talked to a bunch of different game developers and other people from around the game world, haven't we? Where should people go to find those? Yeah, so you can just click episodes on our website, or you can go to, uh, on our website and you can go to iTunes or Pocket Casts or just click the podcast app. It's on there. It should be. Um, if you're in America, you can go to the Google Play Store. Sadly, if we're not in Australia, you can't. But hey... You're working on that, right, Johnny? I'm working on it. I'll, yeah. I'm going I'm to talk to uh, Sergey and uh, Larry from Google, and uh, we'll get this sorted out. And our next episode will be on the 14th of September, but next week, at the same time, we will have Let's Play. And um, we'll probably be and playing. We'll probably be playing Collateral Damage. Collateral Damage with yeah. these guys. So if you like yeah. them, come back next week at this time. Um, my name's Johnny. This is Mitch. Hey. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, no worries. Uh, Thank you, Jack. Guys. No worries. Thanks for having us. Um, we will be sharing all that stuff out there. Good to see you guys. We will see you guys again this time next week. Is that going to work? Peace. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, see. <laughs> we'll find work. out. <laughs> but yeah. where's the outro music? See ya. Bye.